Welcome back to the Balancing Act podcast. I'm Andy Tempty. On the Balancing Act, we talk to business leaders and industry experts to explore the balancing acts we play in our professional lives and learn about the events that put rocket boosters behind their career success. Today, we have Jesse Jackson joining us. Jesse is head of consumer and community banking and firm-wide operations new joiner experience at J.P. Morgan Chase and is its former chief learning officer. He's a thought leader in the future of work, corporate learning and development, and talent acquisition. As you might expect, we'll be focusing our attention in these areas. Welcome to the show, Jesse. Uh, thank you so much, Andy, and truly a privilege to join you today. Uh, it's quite riveting that an iconic executive like you, an author of several books, a former CEO, entrepreneur, and now a podcaster, uh, plus an active musician, is hosting a podcast called Balancing Act. Uh, truly appropriate and appealing. Um, also, it's great to reconnect with you, um, and I hope it's okay to say that I'm a big fan of Kaplan, particularly the work and the focus of that organization under your leadership. Yeah, no, we, uh, in the spirit of full disclosure, Jesse and I uh, served on a, uh, Jesse uh, lent his time to the strategic advisory board for Kaplan Professional uh, during my time there. And that's, that's how we met. And Jesse, I too, uh, even though I don't work for Kaplan anymore, I'm a big fan of the work that they do. Um, you know, before we get started and dive in, we do this with all our guests Please tell our listeners your story. Uh, my story is a very short one, uh, but it is one that I have consistently referred to as being an ex accidental executive. Um, you know, more specifically, you know, having served five years of active duty within the United States Navy, I was fortunate to be recruited into the then Chase Manhattan uh, Bank Development Program for Managers. Uh, this career choice provided me with an opportunity to rotate through a number of businesses uh, within a market-leading firm, uh, working through industry consolidation uh, as well as business cycle disruptions, but perhaps most importantly, working uh, with true thought leaders uh, that were mission-driven and committed to attaining uh, truly balanced uh, business and community outcomes and results. These experiences also exposed me to world-class uh, and hyper-intentional training with respect to leadership development, uh, regular talent development, as well as a host of other technical topics. Uh, it allowed me to work across lines of businesses and with that work really muscle up in terms of our focus on our customers and how we can deliver uh, transformative value across business cycles, across industry disruption. So again, uh, great to be with you today, Andy. Yeah, thank, thanks, Jesse. One event in your life that just put rocket boosters uh, under your career, what, what would that be? As you know, it is so difficult uh, to pick sort of just one event, uh, but to be responsive to your question, I go back to sort of my formative experiences, um, and in a real sense, they were uh, made uh, by being part of the United States Navy. Uh, it was really there in many ways where I learned through blood, sweat, and tears uh, that there are no shortcuts, um, that 
Um, we need to really run marathons. And in some cases, and in some seasons, we need to run marathons across a series of sprints. Um, I also was very fortunate um, that this culture, you know, that was part of the United States Navy of teamwork, um, hyper communication, collaboration, uh, plus playing the long game aligned so well uh, with the culture of meritocracy that was fostered at J.P. Morgan Chase. Uh, that notion um, of tenacity, of stamina, this fact that details matter, um, as Tom Peters famously said, the little things are the big things in many cases, um, help to support me as that accelerant, um, as I've navigated now, you know, some three decades plus, you know, at J.P. Morgan Chase. Well, congratulations on such tenure uh, at uh, at an organization like J.P. Morgan Chase. That, that is uh, quite remarkable. I had uh, 22 years uh, at Kaplan, and I, I think we're you know, that kind of tenure is uh, is quite unique these days. Um, Jesse, you have a broad range of experiences in the field of learning and development, now talent acquisition. How will your experience in learning and development translate into excellence in talent acquisition? What's the relationship between those two disciplines? Wow. Um, the adjacency between L&D or learning and development and talent acquisition um, is really more of intersectionality. Um, uh, I think all of your podcast viewers are familiar with this notion of war for talent. Well, I can certainly say that that war is over uh, and talent has won. Um, many say that cash is king. Um, I've learned, um, you know, perhaps the hard way that really quality is king, especially quality talent. It makes all the difference in any enterprise, commercial or not-for-profit, that the right talent um, could really be transformative with respect to driving successful outcomes. So being hyper-intentional with respect to talent engagement uh, being present when making those type of talent selections um, that are based not just on skills, uh, but are also based on cultural attributes uh, becomes critical. It also means that in this age of acceleration um, that we're fortunate to live in, uh, that it's not sufficient uh, to just pick the right talent, uh, um, that that talent needs to stay current uh, to undergo continuous learning and development. So these attributes um, you know, of talent acquisition, of talent development, in a meaningful way, uh, deliver an end-to-end -end experience that, when done well, delivers uh, not just ongoing sustainability, but also greater resiliency for any firm, again, whether that firm be commercial or non-for-profit. Yeah, I. Uh, it's very unfortunate that when the going gets tough uh, for many companies, learning and development actually starts to take a back seat. 
And I just love your response of, you know, tying uh, talent and learning and development together uh, to send a message to leaders all around the world that your, your learning uh, objectives, your, your learning goals, uh, they, they should be there when times are good and they should be there when times are not so good and really double down uh, in those, in those periods when, uh, when times are, are, are toughest. Uh, so, so thank you. Thank you for that. I think um, we've all heard that adage yeah, ahead, and the, um, you know, where, uh, you know, that story where a CEO is talking to a CFO and the CEO says, you know, what happens if we train this talent um, and uh, they leave? Um, and uh, the CFO, you know, says, you know, what happens, um, you know, if we don't and they stay, right? Um, so to your point, you know, this notion of, you know, investing through the cycles, um, you know, in the capabilities of uh, the workforce um, really affords, you know, any enterprise uh, truly a competitive advantage um, that yeah. um, can, you know, help uh, fast forward, you know, their strategies um, in how they support, you know, their customers, whether those customers be retail or commercial. So I think you're spot on, um, Andy. Yeah. So let's let's focus on the world of talent acquisition. The show is called Balancing Act. So if you had to choose the most important balancing act that the leader of the talent acquisition function has to play, kind of irrespective of industry segment, uh, what would that balancing act be? Well, uh, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, it, in many respects, it's uh, perhaps an easy one to answer. You know, as I think about... Um, the most important, uh, the most important, you know, decision, you know, the most important work of any leader, you know, within talent acquisition, um, uh, irrespective of industry, irrespective of function, uh, is really hiring the best people in the world. Um, and uh, that's much easier said uh, than done. Uh, but why um, this balancing act is so challenging is because the difference between the first place and second place candidate uh, can often be measured in microns um, in as much as there is, you know, that um, little distance between the two. Uh, I think it was Steve Jobs, um, you know, the former chairman, uh, CEO, co-founder of Apple that said, you know, the secret of his success is that he had gone through great lengths in order to hire the best people in the world. Um, and the results, um, you know, certainly in his case were transformative um, as he has sort of changed the world as a result of, you know, our digitalization and, you know, these smartphones that, you know, we carry around with us. Um, I think he was right. And I think we can all learn something uh, from that. Uh, going back to you know, this adage of, you know, this age of acceleration and technological change, it really becomes important, you know, to ensure that, you know, as we are, you know, selecting uh, talent, you know, we're doing so in a way that really is um, driven by quality um, and affording us an ability to leverage that quality, you know, to further accelerate, you know, how, um, any firm, public or private, moves forward. Yeah. 
So Jesse, before we go to a quick commercial break, let's narrow the scope of that previous question to your career arc. What's the most important balancing act that you've played that's contributed to your career success? Wow. Um, now that's a tough question to answer, Andy. <laughs> uh, but as I reflect on that question, um, you know, it really is uh, this notion of uh, being able to unlearn um, as rapidly, as quickly as we do learn. Um, and what I mean more specifically by that is this notion of really bringing a growth mindset um, that is really not anchored and weighed down by something that I think we've all heard. And, you know, we do it that way because that's the way we've always done it, right? Um, you know, we need to ensure that uh, this notion of flexibility or what, you know, some may call adaptability uh, is something that helps future-proof our careers. And that requires us to uh, really change perspectives and change and shift paradigms from time to time. In many respects, it really proves that Darwin was right, um, that the race doesn't always go to the fastest or goes to the strongest, but really goes to those individuals that are able to be more adaptable. Um, in terms of understanding uh, the changing ecosystems in which they operate in, uh, whether that's legislative, whether that's technology, whether that's just shifts in uh, <clears throat> patterns of uh, change uh, from commercial or you know consumer customers, but really um, ensuring that we're, we are bringing, you know, that level of flexibility and growth mindset to how we are processing those inputs that we all get so much um, and that we are leveraging them, you know, to not be anchored on what we did yesterday, but really ensuring that, you know, we're bringing fresh thinking, you know, to how we are attempting to uh, solution, um, you know, those challenges that we encounter uh, today and tomorrow. Uh, so thank you for shining a bright light on the skill of adaptability, which is really something that gets nurtured uh, and grows through throughout our life. Uh, and as we age, uh, I've found that we have to work even harder uh, at, uh, at being adaptable because it's really easy uh, to slip into a fixed mindset. And uh, thank you for uh, maybe the unintended puns. You said anchored a couple of times in that and that Navy background was just coming, <laughs> coming right out. Uh, so uh, thanks for that, Jesse. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. I'm Andy Tempty. My new book, The Balanced Business, is scheduled for release on October 3rd. This book blends everything I've learned over the last 35 years and details the management operating system I would deploy if I could go back and do it all over again. The Balanced Business is a practical, real-world guide to help businesses achieve long-term success that's built on a culture of trust balanced with accountability. Balanced Business is available for pre-order on Amazon.com today. And 
we're back with Jesse Jackson talking about the mission critical roles of learning and development and talent acquisition. Jesse, on this show, we talk a lot about work readiness. As we put the COVID-19 pandemic in the rearview mirror, what trends are you seeing in the work readiness of applications for entry-level jobs? Uh, what are today's primary challenges and opportunities? Wow. Um, you know, as we think about uh, coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, the fact is so much has changed, right? And some of that change is, you know, very prominently uh, evidenced by, um, you know, how we have worked, you know, to truly digitalize, um, you know, so much of what we do and in digitalizing so much of what we've done is really trying to take the friction out of the processes, uh, trying to accelerate those processes as well. So as I think about, um, you know, certainly, um, you know, what has changed in the context of uh, how we are, you know, actually uh, both acquiring and developing talent, uh, it really is, you know, being intentional with respect to meeting our candidates where they are. Um, irrespective of uh, where that may be physically. Um, and uh, what we're seeing is, you know, what I have often referred to as a 3D economy, uh, one that is significantly more digital, uh, significantly more diverse, significantly more distributed. Um, and our ability to uh, really, you know, lean into, you know, those capabilities and optimize them in a way that allows, you know, our candidates to interface with us, you know, via mobile devices, uh, via their PCs, being able to, you know, leave their TikTok interview, um, you know, uh, appeal, you know, with us really allows us to expand the talent that we can touch, um, you know, the talent that can touch us and inform us of the skills and attributes and cultural elements that they can help enrich us with. Um, so um, this notion of, uh, again, um, you know, really putting, you know, our candidates, putting our employees at the center of how we think about, you know, delivering value, you know, really becomes critical. And in many respects, um, you know, that's the same thing that any excellent enterprises doing with their customers, right? It's really ensuring that we're taking the friction out of the processes, uh, that we're making it uh, more intuitive, uh, more user-friendly for individuals to find us, uh, to navigate to, you know, that job posting that they may be interested in, to apply for that, and then, um, you know, us being as responsive in terms of, you know, getting back to them and informing them of outcomes. So it really is, you know, those processes in this 3D world, um, you know, that has really allowed us to, you know, continue to um, move fast forward, um, you know, with respect to, you know, delivering value, you know, to our customers and to our employees alike. Yeah. Uh, thank you for the, that, that 3D uh, phrase. Uh, if I get it right, it's uh, digital, uh, diverse, distributed. Uh, that's, right. that's, a, that's a really great 
a really great framework uh, for folks to think about. You know, you hear uh, articles in the Wall Street Journal about how frustrated uh, some leaders are. I would call them managers. I wouldn't uh, bestow the leadership title on them uh, necessarily, but they're frustrated that things aren't going to the back to the way that they were. And I think that 3D model is somebody, something that folks should really think about. The, the sheer amount of change that happened over the pandemic is, is, is quite astounding. A lot of people think that we were just at home, uh, not doing anything, just kind of hanging around waiting for it to be over. And nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, as you mentioned, business process changed, uh, outlooks changed, attitudes changed. And boy, if you have a fixed mindset that wants to go back to the way it was back in 2018, uh, that that's a, it's a tough road to hoe. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and in many respects, um, you know, these elements, um, you know, that, you know, would have taken, you know, five or, you know, 10 years, um, you know, occurred, uh, in two, uh, and yeah. it is a testament, um, to how resilient, um, you know, enterprises, how resilient uh, people, employees, uh, candidates can be uh, in the face of change. And in many respects, it has taught us, um, you know, some very sound lessons in terms of speed, uh, in terms of, um, you know, this notion of, you know, how do we, uh, as we think about, you know, putting our customers, putting our employees first, also do that in a way that is keeping them out of harm's way as well in terms of, um, you know, their safety, um, you know, whether uh, for a pandemic, whether it's medical, um, you know, or other uh, considerations um, that, you know, we are responsible as leaders to really be caring for and thinking about. Yeah. So, Jesse, we frequently discuss the balancing act that uh, we have to play between the application of technical skill and human skill in the modern world of work. If you had a new entrance, a new entrant into the workforce sitting right in front of you right now, what advice do you give to them to balance human and technical skill as they begin to navigate their career? And this is something, you know, that certainly has been, uh, I think, a key focus, um, you know, of not just your podcast, Andy, but also a theme in uh, your two books, right? And as I think about, you know, the balancing act, as I think about, you know, counsel that I would offer, it's this notion that, you know, relationships, you know, are like rocket ships um, and our ability to really get beyond the transactional and, you know, try to understand, um, you know, folks, um, you know, try to... Uh, you know, really be intentional, you know, with respect to listening um, and um, helping uh, folks bring their unique perspectives, um, their unique views um, into how we need to solve and solution, you know, the issues that we encounter. So it really will be one to say um, this notion of, you know, teamwork, of collaboration, it's real, uh, but it starts by understanding. And, you know, that understanding, it really starts, um, you know, by, you know, this notion of deepening relationships with those individuals, um, you know, that uh, you work with in an effort to build trust 
Um, and as you're able to build trust, you're reducing uh, barriers. Um, and, um, you know, that allows, you know, one to work, you know, more effectively, uh, more faster, uh, more thoughtfully, uh, you know, towards common purpose. So, um, so it really is that human quality of, you know, building, you know, relationships with those individuals that you're interfacing with, uh, whether they be peers, uh, whether they be other leaders within the organizations, whether they be customers, right? Um, and try to, you know, really get past that transactional view so you truly understand, you know, what their motivations are, what their interests are, and and with that understanding, uh, can be more effective in terms of um, helping them obtain some of those objectives. Yeah, I love the phrase, uh, relationships are like rocket ships. I, I, I 100% agree. When, when I ask the rocket booster question uh, of my guests, uh, you know, your, your, your rocket booster experience was being part of the Navy. I'm sure that that helped a great deal from a relationship perspective. Many of my guests come back to some relationship that, that they nurtured uh, earlier in their career. And it was a relationship that took, that really accelerated them forward. Um, now, Jesse, as we start to close out the show, uh, let's do another thought experiment. Uh, I'll put you in a time machine. You can send a message to an earlier version of yourself. What would that message be? And what previous version of yourself do you choose to send it to? Um, I think I would go back, um, you know, certainly to, you know, my uh, time in uh, management development program, you know, here at J.P. Morgan Chase. And um, as I think about sort of, um, you know, getting guidance, uh, it's often valuable when one is at inflection points within their career where they're at sort of some fork in the road. Um, and what I would likely have uh, what I would likely tell myself at that point in time, you know, is really being the importance of being more present, you know, with respect to, you know, um, you know, what it is I was doing, who it is I was doing with, uh, because while I had formed many lifelong relationships, um, you know, I have also had an opportunity where, um, where I have multitasked, um, you know, too much, you know, through processes that, you know, had I brought a more intentional focus, um, you know, would have allowed me to really, um, you know, be more informed, more enriched, you know, with respect to those individuals that I've worked with, those processes that I've navigated through. And as I've gotten away from them, you know, it I reflect back on them, you know, as being, you know, so critically important, you know, to helping inform, you know, decisions that I've made, you know, two years, three years, four years hence. So this notion of really being, um, you know, uh, present, um, you know, in the moment uh, becomes so critical. And I think often as young adults, we want to zoom past things that may not be sort of critical to what we think is important, but as we reflect back on them, you know, the criticality, um, you know, the impactfulness of having really, you know, you know been 
uh, more mentally engaged in those processes would have been invaluable. So I think it really would be that guidance of, you know, being present um, and really, you know, going deep, you know, within those processes, even if I didn't get their importance at that time. It really is a practice that I try to, you know, truly exhibit now in terms of doing sit-withs with individuals to understand processes that some may believe are pedestrian, but are so critical to really understanding, you know, what the front line is doing, and more importantly, how as a leader we can drive greater value um, and impact to those frontline employees that come in every day and labor so hard in order to you know deliver value you know to our candidates and to our customers. Well, you and I are kindred spirits here as it relates to the presence uh, message to our earlier selves. I too uh, lament at the uh, amount of quote unquote presence that I that I gave to uh, certain things, uh, family being one of them. Uh, but 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 you're right. You know things that we wanted to zoom past. Uh, I I probably should have dwelled a, a little bit, and that's really the function of a mentor uh, and and a coach, uh, and uh, you know opening our ears to those mentors in our lives that can help us appreciate the criticality, the importance of the things that we're trying to zoom past uh, early in our careers. Um, Jesse, final question. Uh, you're on the board of the Education Trust. Uh, can you tell us more about the Education Trust's purpose and what you're excited about for their future? And thank you very much for that question, Andy. You know, truly is um, you know a labor of love uh, for me as I think about the work that I do um, as a board member of the Education Trust. Uh, and the Education Trust, um, you know, is a enterprise, a not-for-profit enterprise that is headquartered in Washington D.C. Uh, and is. Uh, myoptically focused on educational equity, um, you know, as we think about, you know, the educational scarring that has occurred as a result of the pandemic, you know, the work that uh, that organization is doing, uh, in my view, is really intensified. Um, I think it was uh, the economist, uh, you know, Thomas Pickney's book um, that was uh, called, I think, Capital in the 21st Century, um, you know, that referenced that, you know, over 300 years of economic history, you know, the principal and most enduring mechanism for the distribution of wealth, as well as the reduction in uh, inequality, uh, is the diffusion of skills and knowledge. Um, I think that that saying uh, takes on so much more importance, um, you know, in this age that we're living in, you know, with AI, robotic process automation, and machine learning and other capabilities. And in order to really empower our workforce and ensure that we truly are going to remain um, sort of the you know, number one economy in the world, you know, this notion of really focusing on, you know, educational, um, you know, development uh, and doing that uh, irrespective of zip code, um, you know, uh, is critical. And really, that is the work of the educational trust to really ensure that, you know, we are focused across um, you know, all um, areas on educational equity and are providing, you know, those 
training and skills um, that are going to give us the workforce for the 21st and 22nd century that will continue to allow America to lead. Yeah. Well, Jesse, we're, we're at the end of our time. I am uh, deeply proud of you. I'm proud to know you. I'm proud of the work that you're doing at J.P. Morgan Chase, the Education Trust. Uh, everybody should know who Jesse Jackson is because you are one of the individuals who's really making a difference in this world. So thank you. Thank you for being on today's show. Again, Andy, thank you. Um, I really appreciate uh, and am privileged by the opportunity to reconnect with you today and be part of your podcast. Awesome. Well, my name is Andy Tempty. This is the Balancing Act podcast. Uh, We're on all the major podcast streaming services. Please like, subscribe, rate, and most importantly, share this public good uh, with your colleagues, with your friends. Uh, Thank you very much for listening.